Welcome back to the Hungry for Success podcast. I'm your host, Michael Phelps. On this episode of the show, I got to talk to Mike Gorman, aka Gormy. A lot of you guys might have known him from social media um, as Gormy Goes Keto. He was up to like 500 plus pounds and he's lost an amazing amount of weight. And he's done it a couple times, which the stories will blow your mind of the things that, um, that he's been able to do. And now he's using all that experience to help coach people. Uh, he's sharing his experience and the experience of others on a very similar show called The Fat Guy Forum. So I think you guys are really going to like this episode, be able to uh, really resonate with some of the things that Mike talks about on here. So if you do like this show, please just share it with your family or friends. Every little bit helps. With that said, that's all of me. Here's Gourmet. Gormy, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm uh, happy to have you back on the podcast for the second time. Uh, the listeners don't don't know yet, but this is the uh, second time we're recording this because I forgot to hit record the first time. Uh, no worries at all, man. No worries at all. I'm. I feel like if now anything, maybe it'll take us like five minutes because I'll be able to condense everything. You know, I won't be as I won't ramble as much this time. Yeah, I mean the story's I already been promise. the story's already been put out into the universe, <laughs> right? So you just get the condensed version this time. Right, right. Well, man, uh, so I just want to start off by giving you an opportunity to share your story, a little bit of your story, give us a little bit of background on you, and then we'll we'll see what kind of rabbit holes we go down. Sure, sounds good, man. Well, for those who don't know me, um, my name's Mike Gorman. Go by Gorme, um, which is something that evolved out of the internet uh it was never like a childhood nickname or anything people assume i've i've been called gourmet my whole life and it was all from instagram but i um grew up as a, a very um overweight child became a, a an obese teenager had some periods where i lost weight gained weight lost weight gained weight one of the things i often say um is that i i'm an expert at gaining weight and an expert at losing weight uh, I have had some significant losses and significant gains. Um, my heaviest weight ever was 540 pounds back in the early 2000s. Uh, I was over 500 pounds for several years and built a life that just supported that. Like I, It's not like you wake up one day and you're 500 pounds. There's a, a lot of factors, I think, that come into crafting that experience. And I found myself in a place where I needed to make a change. It wasn't driven at that point by health. It wasn't driven by even really desire, to be honest with you. It was driven because I, I wanted to be able to pay rent. I wanted to be able to you know, continue living life and find work and all of those things. And I knew that when I could barely you know, walk into my apartment from my car, I wasn't going to be in any condition you know, to walk into an office and do an interview and hold up well doing that and um, decided to make a change, found the paleo diet. And that was around 2010, 2011, and went from 540 pounds to 210 pounds in 2013. Um, it was uh, an, an amazing experience, but one that I, I think I didn't put a lot of thought into. Um, I, I spent a lot of time focused on the scale and doing what I needed to do to keep that moving and didn't do a lot of, put a lot of thought into what life would be like when you go from being so um, super morbidly obese to being a quote unquote average size person and have done none of the work to change anything besides changing what I ate for a couple of years. 
So I, in May of uh, April of 2013, I turned 40. My goal was to hit 210 for my 40th birthday. I did that in late April and went on a vacation that led to uh, me falling off the wagon, as it were. You know, I fully identify as a, as a food addict and I fell back into it hard. And by October of 2013, just a little over five months later, uh, I was 480 pounds. So I put on 270 pounds in under six months. So when I hear people saying, you know, you didn't lose, you didn't gain the weight overnight, so you're not going to lose it overnight. I, I'm like <laughs> a fair portion of my life. I gained the weight overnight. Like I, I had a, uh, that six months, you know, I was, I was waking up bigger, um, and feeling it and going through that. And, but so lost in, in food, like that was a lost summer in a lot of ways for me that I got back up to near 500 pounds. I don't think I got over 500 because my body was so destroyed by what I was doing. You know, my blood sugar was so out of control. I was terrified to get diagnosed as, as diabetic. So I avoided doctors as I had already for years. And, you know, when your, your blood sugar is out of control, one of the things that actually starts to happen is you start to lose weight. So I would see my weight kind of swing from 480 to 450 to 490 to 450, you know, kind of in that range over the next couple of years. And at that point, I had just kind of accepted that that was going to be my life. I was going to die young. Well, young to me, there's probably some people out there listening who don't necessarily think 40s is that young, but. Um, no, you're old now. Yeah. 40s <laughs> I know, right? You know, I'm going to be 48 this year. Um, I just had accepted that that's what my life was going to be and, until some circumstances changed that I think for the first time ever made me see the impact of my mortality in real terms. Uh, so a situation that happened with my family where my parents were going to need my support. And I realized that I it had nothing to do with whether I could physically support them or not. It was because I wasn't going to be there. I knew in a couple of years, I wouldn't be there uh, for a long time. I went to bed with a letter uh, on the side of my bed that was a, an apology note basically to my family saying, you know, if I was found dead, you know, it, things weren't that bad. You know, my life was good. I was happy. Don't worry about me. You know, kind of all this kind of BS that I, I wrote for myself. And when I had this realization that I wanted to live, I knew I was going to have to do something different. I knew that I had lost weight before I had had several bouts where I had lost a hundred pounds and gained it all plus more back had that experience of losing all of that weight and putting it all back on very rapidly. And I knew I couldn't do the same thing. Um, so finding a, a weight loss plan to use was not the challenge. Um, I knew instinctually kind of where I would head with that. It was more about having to work on the mindful side of things and actually commit to working on what my relationship with food was like and how it affected my emotions and all of those things. And that was February of 2017 when I started that journey. Mm -hmm. um, at my first kind of official weigh-in, I was 470. And uh, so here we are four years later. I, I've been ketogenic for four years uh, using the ketogenic uh, lifestyle way of eating. You know, I, diet is the word that everyone knows. Um, I think sometimes diet implies there's a finish line. So I, I just like to say that I kind of lead a ketogenic life. Um, I have achieved my weight loss goals and, you know, through the, the fun that has been the past year um, with seeing careers go away and the world shut down and all of those things, you know, I, I, I can say that I've got a couple pounds that I would like to lose. Um, and I'm working on that and seeing some success there and know that I have the tools and the, the, the pieces that I need um, built into me now uh, just to keep my life going forward. And 
you know, they, a lot of amazing things have also, you know, I, it's easy to talk about the past year as being challenging, but I, I think also a lot of amazing things have happened over the past year that have come out of, you know, these experiences for me. One of those is I now work with other individuals, uh, helping people on their own um, health and fitness and weight loss journeys using a, a holistic approach to the ketogenic diet and, as a coach. So I've been able to take these this lifetime of experience I've had with with battling weight and warring with food, and use that experience for the for the greater good, uh, which has been really rewarding. So, in a nutshell, that's kind of who I am. I guess um, I'm an East Coaster at heart. I, I spent most of my life on the East Coast in New England, and now I live in sunny California. So that's a, been a big change. I moved here in the <laughs> fall, so that's that's very interesting that I'm on the days when I consider it's a cold winter day here, it's the high forties in the morning, um, which I know a lot of people listening are not going to like, you know, luckily we were, we've come through the deep freeze that hit the country. You know, that was awkward talking to clients and I'm like, yeah, it's a chilly morning here. And they're like, well, how chilly is it? And I'm like, it's not as cold as where you are. Don't, <laughs> I, can, I can promise. You know, it's not, I know it's, I know it's negative 15 and feels like negative 20 where you are. You know, it is, we are going to see the sun here today. So I've got this whole kind of new experience and, and I don't think I would have taken a risk to move um, previously. Like I, I think a lot of what I've been through has prepared me to, you know, see the possibilities of a future and, and take risks and all of that fun that can come with being able to see past what, you know, what's your next meal, you know, kind of what's coming next food wise, you know, and actually seeing that there's a life out there. So that's, it's been a big part of, of all of this for me. Yeah, that's uh, an amazing thing and probably super empowering the fact that the decisions you've made and the lifestyle choices and changes that you've made have allowed you to just get way outside of your comfort zone. And I think that's what one of my favorite things about weight loss is, is so many people that you see that lose 100 pounds or lose, you know, X number of pounds, whatever it is they find ways to step outside of their comfort zone and challenge themselves. And that's like my favorite parts of these stories is seeing just that uh, mindset transformation and, you know, what it allows those people to go on and do. Oh, for sure. And w one of the things that, that I've said before is the bigger you get, the smaller your world gets. And I think that's really true. And that's part of that's by choice. You know, it's, it's about, not wanting to go into places and go to different, you know, into different scenarios, but it's also just, you know, my mobility was physically impacted. You know, I, I got into points where I was, I was not grocery shopping anymore, which I always find ironic that I, I had gotten too big to shop in a grocery store easily. Um, your world starts to shrink. So you start to be okay with not stepping outside of that comfort zone. You, you, you start to be okay with turning down opportunities and, exploring new things and going to new places because yeah i mean some of it's logistics you know at, at over 500 pounds you're worried about whether there's a chair that can hold you and if you can walk mm -hmm. far enough to get into somewhere and you know all of those things that come into play so it's not just do i want to go to this new place it's can i go to this new place and now it's it's freeing like you don't understand if you haven't kind of been in that place what kind of mental energy is taken up by all of that logistical planning, all of that, you know, not just exploring new locations and, you know, making phone calls to new restaurants and new places that I'm going with friends and family to make sure I know I'm going to be able to fit, but also having to make up stories and excuses as to why I'm not going to go on excursions and do things 
that might be fun, but might not be physical, physically capable for me. So I have to make up a good story. So it sounds good as to why I'm choosing not to do this new, exciting thing. And the ability to be able to say yes without doing planning, you know, all of that planning is a really, really powerful thing that I don't think even I expected to be a part of this experience. Yeah, it has to cause a, a tremendous amount of anxiety. Like, I know, you know, just, you know, it's so easy to get upset over something like that or just be so anxious that you're just like, oh, I don't even want to go because you're embarrassed at the fact that you even have to think about that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure that was a very heavy weight on you that, you know, is now kind of lifted because now it's your size. You can pretty much do anything you want. Like, you know, it's not limiting you any longer. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's about this, you know, when you go through different experiences and you, you know, I've broken furniture that I've sat on at friends' houses and had to come out of the bathroom at a friend's house and tell them that I broke their toilet seat. Like you start to pull back the opportunities for those things to happen because then they're limiting that damage. You know, you're limiting that impact and you're limiting having to go through those situations. And luckily, quote in quotes, of course, luckily, uh, food's there for you during those times. You know, if people mm -hmm. aren't going to be there for you or you're not going to put yourself around people, you, you know, when you are someone that is so deeply addicted to food, that you you think that everything is good like it's one of those things where when i was as heavy as i was if someone were to ask me if i was happy i would have said yes you know it wasn't i was getting what i needed to feel joy but what i didn't realize was all of the things that i was not experiencing you know all of those things in life yeah. that had been put to the side because i had made those choices and falling into those habits and patterns and all of those things like it's like there's i i remember when I first started to really get mobile again, you know, the first time I went back to a movie theater that I had been avoiding and I had avoided it probably for about five or six years because the walk in from, it was a movie theater at the mall. You had to park in the parking garage, walk through the mall, walk through the food court, get to the movie theater. And then once you got to the movie theater, it was this gigantic movie theater where it was not, it was not a short distance. Now, the average person is going to look at this and think, okay, so you drove to the mall, you parked a car, and you walked into the movie theater. That's not a big deal. For me, I remember almost wanting to cry the first time I, I got into the theater, sat in the seat, fit in the, the the seats. Also, it was a movie theater that had all fixed arm seats originally. Mm -hmm. So I avoided it because I didn't fit in the seat. So there was one seat in each theater that had an arm that moved. And if I couldn't get that seat, I couldn't sit comfortably. I would be in pain the entire time. The ironic piece of it all is I waited so long to go back to this theater that they had completely remodeled it. And all the, all of the chairs have <laughs> arms that go up now. And you know, it's this every, every, if you go into a movie theater now, it doesn't have that. You're, you're it's kind of weird, but it, you know, just being able to have that normal experience, like being able to walk into a store and not think, set a timer in your head. Okay. I know that within 10 minutes, my back pain is going to be so intense that I'm not going to be able to, to keep standing anymore. So I need to know exactly what I'm getting. I know exactly where it is. I know the layout. I mean, I remember times there was a um, drugstore chain that a lot of people know of, you know, CVS. And I used to be one of the only stores that I would still go to because I knew I could park in a spot and see if there was a line and see if there was a crowd in the store. Because then it basically was almost like a timer started when I got out of the car. Okay, you have a few minutes to get in, get what you need, get check out and get back to the car. And I remember... There were, there were probably more than once that I was going in. And I usually was only going there if I was buying something that I couldn't get delivered. 
And so if I was going to get cold medicine, I needed it immediately or something along those lines. And I remember I had done my little dash to grab what I needed, was headed up to the cashier, and there were four people in line in front of me and they were moving very slowly. So I put down what I needed to buy on, on the end cap and went back to my car and sat down, caught my breath, let the back pain subside, went back in. Luckily, they hadn't put my item back, which was a fear, mm -hmm. and you know, jumped in that line when there was no one there. Like having the, had those types of experiences, and that was my day-to-day -day life. Those were the things that I was always thinking about. It wasn't just a random occurrence. It was every situation I was going into, I had to think of a way to maneuver myself so that I could be comfortable. Those types of experiences, though, are what gives you a leg up on other people who might be uh, coaching people to lose weight mm -hmm. or helping them with their nutrition or helping them with their exercise because you know, just straight up people that have never been overweight don't have those experiences. Mm -hmm. They can't relate to you not wanting to stand in line because you're, you know, you're overweight to the point that your back hurts from standing in line with four people. Mm -hmm. But those like you're able to empathize with those people and help them as a coach and be like really be on their level. Um, so, you know, I just think that that's a, you know, a great advantage that you have over some other coaches. Yeah, I, I think it gives me a different perspective on where a person is starting and being able to meet them where they're starting and not just meeting them there nutritionally, um, but also this idea, like I, I think sometimes when people buy kind of a set plan or program, it's like, okay, here's what you need to eat and you need to start working out three times a week. And this is what those workouts could look like. And I, I can be working with people and not all my clients are in this, this physical condition, but I can relate to someone who says, well, for me right now, standing up for more than five minutes is painful. So I'm not doing a 40 minute. I'm not going for a 20 minute walk. I'm not going for a half hour walk. When I started working out myself when I, in 2017, I started by walking from, I would walk from my apartment, which was on the second floor of a building down to the front steps. And then there was a telephone pole across the street. And I would walk from the, the steps to the telephone pole and walk back. It would take me about five minutes. And then I would sit down and have to catch my breath for probably 15 minutes and then go back upstairs. And that was like a whole nother leg of this workout for me. And so I can talk to someone and have the, when they're like, I'm overwhelmed. You know, I, I don't even think I would know what to do if I went to a gym because I don't know if I could get into the gym for my car easily. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay, let's talk about where you're at. Let's talk about what you can actually do. So let's find you something that can actually help you start realizing what you can do with your body. And sometimes that means focusing exclusively on food at first. You know, I, I firmly believe weight loss is it, closer to being 90% about food and 10% about exercise, exercise instead of that 80-20 that sometimes people say. So helping someone work through the challenges of having to end this relationship, because it really is like a bad breakup, you know. Mm -hmm. Food has been everything for a lot of us. You know, it was everything for me. So when that ends, all of a sudden, that thing that you were using to deal with stress, that thing you were using to deal with your emotions, all of these things, you're, I'm asking this person to take it away. And I think the fact that I had to take it away from myself gives some validity to me saying, I know this is going to be hard. I know this isn't easy. I know what it's, I mean, <laughs> I know what it's like, like that first, even that first year of my weight loss, like. I would cry myself to sleep some nights. Like I would feel so hungry and like I was missing that food experience 
and that I was avoiding social, you know, gatherings where I knew there was going to be food. I would sometimes be at home, finish my food for the day and say, all I want to do right now is eat. And all I can think about is food. So I'm going to go to bed. You know, like it, I, I, I say that there's, sometimes there's white knuckling involved. And I think as a culture, we've evolved to this place where we want there to be no hunger. You know, the idea yeah. is that you're supposed to be able to lose weight without being hungry ever. And I have people come to me all the time, especially when they're talking about keto and they're like, you know, I wanted to go keto because I talked to my, my sister-in-law and she said that she went keto and she was never hungry again. And I said, well, your sister-in-law is probably lying. <laughs> you know, she is, you know, she's not in tune with the fact that your body should be hungry. You should feel hunger. Hunger is a natural response, you know, that your body goes through. But I also understand that when you're over 500 pounds, that hunger signal has become so twisted and perverted by the hormonal issues and the physical issues and the emotional, psychological issues that you don't know if you can trust it. So sometimes you're going to have to work through feeling, you know, it's, and I'm sure you deal with this, you know, you've talked with people before who say, you know, they're not just hungry, they're starving. You know, I'm starving. I need to eat something right now. I'm starving. And I'm like, you are literally not starving. You know, like, let's, let's get that out there. Yeah. You are literally not starving. So let's, you know, we love hyperbole. We love to exaggerate. And it's like, no, are, are you really hungry? Is it painful physically? Is it painful emotionally? It certainly could be, but you're not dying. You are not dying. Let's figure out something else for you to do right now to help you distract yourself. Let's figure out something for you. And I mean, I've talked to people and have said to them, you know, they're like, what do you think I should do right now? I can barely handle this. I'm, I'm snapping at people. I'm having a hard night, you know, and I'm like, it's eight o'clock. Go to bed, you know, mm -hmm. get in bed early. Extra yeah. sleep is never going to hurt anyone. Get yourself in bed. It doesn't mean avoid the world. It doesn't mean avoid your problems and your challenges, but it does mean that sometimes you need to avoid yourself. <laughs> you need to have, be able to say, okay, what I'm doing right now is not logical. It's not rational. This hunger I'm feeling is really... I know it's probably not real, but it's overwhelming me. So let me be okay with that. And so when I work with someone, I'm able to say, you know, I, I've had clients say, I don't want to tell you what I ate. And I'm like, look, I, I once ate eight Big Macs driving to dinner to eat with my family. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure what you're going to tell me is not going to scare me. Don't worry. You know, like, don't freak out. Yeah. You know, nothing you can tell me, you know, I can share some horror story. If we want to trade horror stories, we'll trade food horror stories. Don't worry. You can tell me what you're what you've done. You know, the things when people worry about having to kind of be open and honest about what they've done with food. I'm like, don't, you know, I'll tell you some stories that will curl your toes. Like, don't, don't, don't <laughs> feel like you can't share that with me. You know, but also don't feel like I'm going to sit there and say, okay, that's rational. I'm going to tell you no. I know that it wasn't rational what I was doing. I know that it wasn't something that was healthy for me or good in any way. It was something that I was using like an addict uses a drug. Eight Big Macs is a hell of an appetizer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you said one thing that I love that you brought up, and it's something that I get so frustrated with, like in the fitness industry, is like it, it's sold that everything is great. Like there's this positivity, mm -hmm. like anti-diet diet culture don't be hungry don't starve yourself blah 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 and while a lot of those things are very true i think it like negates some of the fact that it is super hard and sometimes when you're extremely overweight you're going to be on a diet mm -hmm. and it's going to become a lifestyle mm -hmm. as you build habits but at first you're going to be on a diet i'm oh, on yeah. a diet right now because mm -hmm. i have goals 
that are, you know, weightlifting and bodybuilding related. And so I have to be on a diet for that. What I'm doing right now is not a lifestyle, but I'm losing weight through it. And I'm hungry right now, you know, like I, I could go eat my face off right now, but I'm not because I'm in a, cal a caloric deficit. And I just hate how it gets like pranced around like, oh, I'm anti-diet. You shouldn't be hungry when you're dieting. If so, you're depriving yourself and it shouldn't be that hard. Like I thought I was going to have a mental breakdown last week because I'm on like week 10 of a 12 week mm -hmm. cut and my calories are low and I snap at people. And if you have certain goals, sometimes you have to do things that might not be like the picture of health or like ideal or, or whatever you want to say to accomplish those things and that doesn't mean that that's what how you live it forever mm -hmm. but sometimes there is a means to an end well I, I think you're it's it's this idea that for some reason people think that what you're doing today has to be what you're doing every day for the rest of your life exactly. like am i doing that you know could you yeah but could you eat that way for the rest of your life it's like well do i have to why are you locking right. me into the rest of my life today why won't you let me deal with the challenges and the goals that i have right now and allow me then to kind of do some educating of myself, do some learning and figure out where I want that to go eventually. Like it's, it's clients that sit with me and they say, you know, so we set up a, you know, I set up a, a ketogenic formulated diet for them with my clients. I count for most of them, I'm counting total carbs. Um, and when people start talking about total carbs versus net carbs, and they're like, wait a minute. So this is total carbs. This isn't subtracting all the fiber <laughs> and the sugar alcohol. So I really can't eat. 200 carbs and count that down to four by subtracting everything. And I'm like, no, you can't. Mm -mm. And they're like, well, do I have to, eat? you know, am I going to, am I never going to be able to have a piece of fruit again? Am I never going to be able to do this? And in no way do I ever say to a person, this is exactly how you have to eat for the rest of your life. And this is exactly, you know, what you need to do. But right now, will eating this way help you not only get to your weight loss goals, but do some healing for your body, you know, help you work on all of these other issues that you've said you want to work on. And when it comes time to think about where you want to end up, let's talk about that then when you're closer to it. Because honestly, what I think tends to happen is when you're starting, especially when you're starting a diet that's changing the way of your approach to food, you're going from eight Big Macs to, you know, four quarter pounders with no buns. Like you're changing your perspective on food. You immediately think you're going to still feel the way you do day one when you on day 1000. Yeah. And I think for me, what can happen is your perspective on food evolves and changes and that relationship with food can change. You know, it's that idea, like one of the things my, I actually, I started working with a coach eventually, you know, kind of halfway into my journey, uh, who's uh, actually my boss now, as I work as a coach. And one of the things he said to me during our first conversation was, one of my goals for you is for you to stop seeing food as entertainment and for you to start seeing food as fuel that you can enjoy. And I laughed at him, like I outright laugh out loud, laughed at him. And I said, you're a fool. I am literally never going to feel that way. Right. Right now. The only thing I, the only thing I do in my life that's fun is food. Like I am never going to change this perspective. And then fast forward a year and I'm having a discussion with someone on Instagram and I say, the words come out of my mouth to them. You need to start working on seeing food as fuel and the food you're choosing give, makes your body feel a certain way. And you like the way your body feels when you eat that way. So why would you want to change that? And I kind of stopped myself short and was like, oh, crap, he he did this to me and I didn't even realize it. You know, like I changed my perspective and hadn't even really clicked till that till that moment for me. So I think it's OK to to focus on the immediacy of what you're doing. And I don't think that means, you know, 
that you're you're telling someone use a diet temporarily. Like I don't, I, I actually caution people who want to try to do go keto for 30 days, mm-hmm. you know, to fit into a dress for a wedding or fit into a suit for a wedding. And they just want to lose some weight fast. And they heard they can drop a lot of water weight going keto. And so they want to do that. And I say, you probably can, but I'm not the person for you to work with doing that. That's not something that I would want to do. Because I want someone to think about the healthy choices they need to make with food for the rest of their life. And while that may not always lead them to staying quote unquote keto for the rest of their life, mm-hmm. if I can help instill in someone that it is important to always think about why you're choosing something you're eating. And sometimes we can be conscious of we're making a choice because it's going to be fun. You know, you're going to a fancy restaurant. They have a dessert that you've never heard of. You're with people in a city that you've never been to before and you want to have it. That's about an experience. That's not, I'm going to go to the convenience store and get the same four candy bars that I used to get every day after work and shove those into my face in the car before I get home and order a pizza. Those are completely different experiences and completely different choices. And I think that when you start to eat a diet that focuses on whole ingredient food that you can identify by looking at it, you start to realize that your body feels different, you know, that you actually can feel energy instead of having to have six cups of coffee. You can actually be fueled by these things you're putting into your body. And so, yes, I mean, like it's the D word, the diet word, like, you know, it's for some reason it's become dirty because I think that is people have figured out a way to spin it, to have that anti-diet mentality to sell more. You know, if the anti-diet diet book is what's going to, you know, sell money, (laughs) sell copies these days. But I think it's, it's okay to kind of have that, you know, to kind of go against those perspectives and say like, yeah, maybe you do need to make a change. Maybe the fact that, you know, you're eating eight Big Macs is not a good thing. You know, I'm not going to celebrate that for you. Like, let's talk about some changes that you can make. It's the same thing. And now I feel like I'm starting to ramble, but when you see people always talking about the scale is not important, don't go by the scale. When you are two to 300 pounds overweight, the scale matters. The scale is going to matter because that amount of weight is threatening your health. So if you need to see that number moving and draw some motivation from that, because you know, you're moving closer to the place you need to be for your body to function properly, get on that scale. I'm okay with that. I don't think, I think a a relationship with the scale can become twisted in any context, but it is a metric. It is a piece of data. It should not be the only metric that you use, but I think in a lot of people's cases, it can be an important metric of what's actually happening with your body. I think that all of these things are just like very nuanced points. And Mm -hmm. I think like what I get so frustrated about is when there's just like blanket statements Mm -hmm. made, like diets are bad. It should be a lifestyle. And it's like, well, really, you know, there's a hundred different variables that go into that. And as long as, you know, like, for example, I did keto for 70 pounds of my weight loss, right? So over half. I don't eat keto now, but the things that I learned during that experience, though, like the habits that I built, like staying away from a bunch of like, you know, donuts and like high processed, highly processed foods and trying to eat, eat more whole foods. You know, those are things that I still carry with me now, you know, like, so I use that experience to build my lifestyle. And and so it's like, that was a, when I set out on that, it was to do a diet, but I built those habits and lifestyle changes and it's contributed to where that I'm where I'm at now so it's like all this stuff is like is super complicated but 
it basically comes down to like, if you have a good relationship with it, just like the scale, if you have a good relationship with the scale where you can weigh yourself every day and like, that doesn't bother you good for you, like do it, you know? And you just see this stuff on Instagram. And if you're new to this community or lifestyle or whatever, it, it gets very overwhelming for people, I think. Oh, for sure. Because the voices speaking of those absolutes and speaking in those black and white terms are usually the ones that are yelling the loudest. Yeah. You know, absolutely. mostly because they're trying to get more people to pay attention to them and they're worrying less about their actual interactions with the people that they're, they're discovering every day. You know, it's, there's, there's nuance to all of this. There's, you know, I have a, I have a podcast myself and not, it's not a ketogenic focused podcast. I have guests on that have lost weight by every method that you can ever think of. And I often get comments from people that are like, well, why didn't you try to convince that person that they should go keto? Why don't you try to convince this person that maybe they wouldn't struggle with that issue they're struggling with if they tried the ketogenic diet? And my response is always, do I, do I personally, because if, if I were, if I were pressed, like if you said to me right now, do I think every human being could benefit if they, if they adopted, you know, a ketogenic diet? I think they could, you know, I do think health wise, it would be something that would be great for everyone. That said, I don't think it's the ideal diet for everyone. I think that the way of eating that is ideal for you as an individual is what you need to figure out as an individual. If you look at what the primary makeup of the ketogenic diet is and realize that that's not something that you could do, then don't do it. If you mm -hmm. look at veganism and realize that that's not something you could do, don't do it. But if you could do it and thrive, do it and thrive. Be willing to try things, be willing to be open and don't feel like this is something I, I was actually saying to a client today. like. Even when you start a new way of eating, you don't have to have all the answers day one. You don't have to know the answer to every question, even the questions that you feel like you need answers to. You don't have to have those answers to get started. You just need to get started. And I think too often people get paralyzed because they want to find all those absolutes. They want to find what is the exact way for them to solve every issue they're ever going to have when they're trying to lose weight before they even take the first step. And getting lost in that is a natural thing. But it's something I think people will need to work really hard on. They have to work on being okay with not being perfect. They have to work on realizing that living in the gray is sometimes where we learn the most. When we're willing to try new things and fail and learn from those failures. We try new things and we succeed and we learn from those successes. But don't rely on anyone to give you a 100% guarantee that they have the exact answer that you need because they are not you. And it's anyone who tries on to the job training. Yeah. Like it really is like, it really is about like finding out, like getting into it and realizing, okay, this is just not going to work for me. Or my body is not responding well to this, or I don't feel great. You know, as much as sometimes we want things to work for us, they might not. Like I look at, you know, I, for a while kind of fell into the trap of, you know, the comparison trap and watching people that do, you know, the, if it fits your macros way of eating and to people that do it and have success, way more power to you. But when I see someone, you know, Instagram celebrities and YouTube celebrities, when they're like, okay, you know, I made, I made protein pop tarts today and I ate it with, you know, a full mixing bowl of protein frosting that tastes just like cake frosting. And then I went on and I did this and I did that and I lost 10 pounds this week. It's like, great. But I know that even if I ate, you know, a fat-free, sugar-free, sweetened bowl of frosting, by the time I'm done with that, I'm going to be wanting more. I'm going to want the real thing. I'm going to be in this place that is not mentally sound for myself. Like I can know what works for me and I can want what someone else does to work for them. Like 
I had success on Weight Watchers when I was a kid and I figured out how to use my points so that I could eat Reese's peanut butter cups. So I was eating Reese's peanut butter cups and grilled dry chicken. And that was pretty much all I was eating some days because I needed to fit those peanut butter cups in. So the only way to do that was to make sure that everything else I was eating was the blandest, <laughs> least filling, voluminous food you could ever find. And I lost weight doing it, but I clearly didn't keep the weight off. But the Reese's peanut butter cups certainly stayed around as soon as the chicken went away. Like you, you, you have to be okay with finding what works for you. Give something a try for 30 days. If it doesn't work, try something else. The bigger problem is we don't take any personal responsibility in all of that. Yes. We want to blame the weight, the weight loss plan. We want to blame the keto diet. We want to blame the paleo diet. We want to blame Weight Watchers. We want to blame all of these static, non-human programs that we could have worked on in a more nuanced way if we were willing to say, this facet of it isn't working for me, but these are. So maybe if I keep doing those things and find something else to replace this, I'll have some success. You have to be willing to adjust on the fly. You have to be willing, you know, I use the phrase course correct a lot. You know, if you're, if what you're doing isn't moving you towards your goals, find something else that will. Don't give up. It's that idea of abdicating responsibility and giving up that leads to more trouble. You hear all the time, does X diet work? And you're like, well, hell yeah, they pretty much all work as oh, long yeah. as you're compliant to them and and you keep yourself in a caloric deficit. Mm -hmm. And it's like people don't want that personal accountability. Like how many times have you like just seen like a comment on some Facebook group or something that's like keto doesn't work? It's like, mm -hmm. no, you didn't work it. Right. You, you know, that's your personal accountability or your lack of personal accountability showing through. Well, what I think happens, like I, so I, one of the things that I've been doing, I started doing the past couple of months is I've been blogging on uh, the website for the, the coaching program that I'm a part of. And just this week, I released a blog that I called the five best ways not to lose weight, because I, I wanted to address some of these things that people say that I know just aren't true. And that when people kind of fall in line with them is when they start to run into trouble. And one of the biggest things I think that happens is like, you'll see this in the ketogenic space is people saying, well, with the ketogenic diet, as long as you're eating the perfect ketogenic ratio with your macros, you can eat as many calories as you want. You could eat as many calories as you want. The idea that calories don't matter. And then to react to that, you then get these other influencers who are outside of the ketogenic space who all they want to do is scream, calories are the only thing that matters. And for me, I just want to say, you know, I feel like I want to be the little girl in the, the taco shell commercial being held on everyone's shoulders when I say, why can't we do both? You know, why can't we think about what ratio, you know, fat, protein, and carbs are and think about calories? Like, why do we have to have it be an either or situation? Why do we have to put these absolutes out there? And I know there's people in the ketogenic space who want to tell people that calories don't matter because for them, counting calories didn't have to happen. Mm -hmm. And that's because, you know, and this, this is something I wrote about in the blog, when you adopt a ketogenic diet, you're eating a lot of fat and protein that are very satiating. So your hunger level drops, your appetite, your ghrelin response, which is the hunger hormone, actually starts to get better regulation. So you actually go into a caloric deficit, even though you're not counting calories. So I, 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 wanna, I always want to say to people, you might not think that calories matter, but calories matter to you. The calories are worried about you. Like you can... Because like my first year and a half on keto, I went from 470 to 290 and actually went down to 280 and started to gain weight again without tracking anything but carbs. 
I had never tracked protein or fat. I had done a few years on paleo. So I knew what a plate should look like when it came to putting more fat and more protein on it. Mm -hmm. But I just ate fat and protein to satiation. And for the longest time that worked for me, I dropped weight until it didn't work. And then I had to actually say, okay, let's admit that calories matter. And right now I'm eating too much. You know, I'm, I was overeating. And if you eat 5,000 calories a day, no matter what that food's makeup is, you're going to be eating over most, unless you're like this very intense endurance athlete who's training for marathons and you're burning 5,000 calories a day. And God bless you. If you are, that's incredible. I mean, I've got some clients I work with who their maintenance calories are way more than my maintenance calories are, but don't, don't think that you can't overeat on keto. Don't think that you can't overeat on any way of, you know, any food plan. If you're going, you know, low fat, high protein, you can overeat, you can eat too much. And, you know, the people that throw it back to me, they're always like, oh, would you, would you sit down and, and eat chicken breast? You know, over, you could overeat chicken breast and steak. And I'm like, I have overeat chicken breast and steak. hundred percent. I very easily could do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't understand. Like, and that's what I said. Like I, you know, it was 20, was it 2018? Um, I had gotten down to 280 pounds and then I just started to see my weight go up and I was still quote unquote eating keto, but my weight was going up and I knew that I was overeating. I knew that I was having these episodes where I was overeating on these foods that were quote unquote good for me. I was eating too much ground beef. I was eating too many vegetables. You know, like I was overeating on these. It wasn't that I was sitting there chugging melted pints of halo top ice cream until I got into surplus calories. (laughs) I was overeating on the foods that I was quote unquote supposed to be eating. And when I started working with a coach, I realized, okay, Calories in, in can for some people can really matter. They need to be tracked. And so if you're one of those people, don't beat yourself up over it. Be okay mm-hmm. with this is what you need to deal with right now. And does it mean that that's what you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life? Again, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always mean it. But the other thing I say to people, because, you know, I have clients that say to me, so am I going to have to track my macros and my calories for the rest of my life? I will never say to a person, no, 100%. No, you won't have to, because you might be someone when you try to not do that, that you go back into old habits and patterns and things that you need to still work on. So these might be tools that you have to use to achieve the goals that you want to achieve. And you want to stay there and live that life that you have defined as the life you want to live. Mm-hmm. You have to be okay. You're like it's this idea of what we feel we deserve versus what we can actually do. You know, I, I have earned, you know, I lost 300 pounds. I've earned being able to just eat whatever the heck I want to eat what sense does that make? It makes, you know, when you say it out loud, it makes no sense. But I think we think things like that all the time. You know, I have been, I've gone really hardcore for the past three weeks. I deserve a cheat weekend. You know, I deserve two days off my diet. I deserve this. We set ourselves up to think that we deserve things that we haven't always earned. So does it mean maybe you have to do some more work and then maybe you could get to that place and maybe you find yourself, you know, and I think during our, during our first episode, you know, we talked about the balance between, tracking on some days and intuitive on others and uh, different approaches. Like it can be, you can be okay with realizing there might be some foods that you have to abstain from for the rest of your life because you just can't handle them. It's just something that you personally cannot handle, but it doesn't mean that's the absolute end all message. That's going to be the overall arching theme for the rest of your life. Like you may be able to moderate other things that you didn't think you'd be able to like, it's that idea of being willing to learn when you get to a place that you can actually learn, you know, day one of your weight loss journey is not the day to say, 
I'm going to see how I handle keeping a pint of ice cream in the freezer. You know, I'm going <laughs> to buy my favorite ice cream. And I'm going to keep that in the why would you set yourself up that way? Like, why do you want, why do you have to, why are those challenges? Like, and I've seen people do it, you know, I, I, I have never been able to control Reese's peanut butter cups in my life. So now I keep four of them in my bedroom by my bedside every night. And I go to bed and I know that I didn't eat those Reese's peanut butter cups. You know, if, if I, if I were an alcoholic and I said, I keep a shot of Jack Daniels poured by my bed every night when I go to bed, someone would say, well, I don't think this is a great idea. You know, I, I, maybe that's not the smartest thing to do. Like access matters. So at various points of your journey, if you need to control access to different things, control access to different things and be okay with it. Like being okay with what you need to do to move yourself to the place that you want to be is probably one of the most powerful things you can do for yourself. Like giving yourself the grace to say, you know what? I don't think I feel comfortable going to an all you can eat pizza buffet with my friends. So I'm either going to say to them, can we go somewhere else? Or I'm going to pass. You know, sometimes those decisions are powerful. Yeah. And I, I could very well be one of those people that has to track forever. Like, you know, we talked about the first time is intuitive eating, like just hasn't really been right for me. And it's something that I, uh, am trying to build on, but also my tracking doesn't look like I'm not typing every single thing into my fitness pal. Mm -hmm. I just have like I do it loosely, you know, like I might do a day or two. I eat those same kind of meals for my meal prep and go on. So it's not like I'm micromanaging it all the time, but just because I've hit my goal weight or I'm the lowest I've ever been, doesn't mean like I get to take my foot off the gas pedal and I'm kind of loosely quoting here, but one of like the, the best things uh, that I read when it talked about like dieting compared to maintenance is like, it's easy to do something difficult for a set amount of time. Mm-hmm. it's extremely hard to do something difficult forever, mm-hmm. like knowing you have to do it forever. And that really like resonates with me when it comes to maintenance, because people are like, I'm going to lose a hundred pounds. And then they work their ass off until they've lost that hundred pounds. And then it kind of hits them like a ton of bricks when they realize they don't get to just have pizza parties every day and go back mm-hmm. to the way they were eating. They have to continue to focus on their nutrition forever. Mm-hmm. And you know, then they're, they're off the rails. And it's like, well, if you, you kind of got two choices, you live unhealthy and maybe a short lifestyle because of, of your weight, or you monitor this for the rest of your life, essentially. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just go away. Oh, and I, when I add up the amount of time that I spent on diets in my life, and then add up the amount of time that I spent off diets, there's probably being conservative you know, a solid 38 years of my life that I was not dieting, you know, 35 years, whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to add it up to, you know, take away the childhood years. So say 30, we'll make it 30. So if I have to focus on my nutrition for 30 years to balance that, then let that be it. So when I'm 78, if I hit 78 and I'm now upset that I'm tracking, then I feel like I can, I can be upset. (laughs) <laughs> because I will have spent as much time not worrying about nutrition as I have spent about worrying about nutrition. But until those columns are nearly equal, I haven't, I, I, I have no right in my mind to, to get upset with myself. If it's something that I have to work on, you know, for a long time. And, and I think the challenge of maintenance is, is harder than losing weight. I think there's so many ways. I, I think that's why if you go to the health and fitness section of a bookstore or Amazon, 
there are a million books on how to lose weight and not that many that are about maintaining it and not yeah. that many that even include information on how to maintain it. You know, it was one of the things that my coaching partner and I were working on when we were putting together a project was we wanted to put as much energy into the chapter about maintenance as we did about how to lose weight, because mm -hmm. that's the thing that people don't pay attention to. It's what I didn't pay attention to when I lost all that weight, got to 210 pounds and put all that weight right back on because I had done none of the work. When I hired my coach and he said, so why did you hire me? It wasn't because my weight loss was stalling and I needed help with calories or macros. That was all true. And that was all a part of it. But I said to him, sometime in the next year and a half, I'm probably going to be where I want to maintain. And I don't have any idea how to do that. And I need someone to help me do that because I am terrified that I won't do this again. You know, that I'll just fall right off. I'll go right back to that place. I think fear of maintenance is healthy in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I don't mean be afraid of it to the point that you like, you never lose all your weight so that you don't get there and you don't have to deal with it. <laughs> I mean, fear that allows you to actually think about planning and preparation and goal setting and all of those things being just as important when you're in maintenance as it is when you're trying to lose weight or gain weight. If you know, if you're building muscle, all of those things, the idea of approaching maintenance from a, a place of having no thought put into it scares me. I think it's, it's especially, especially that's not a word, especially for individuals that have been morbidly obese or super morbidly obese. You understand when you're losing weight, the importance of setting goals. Your goals and maintenance need to be as clearly defined as your weight loss goals. And it doesn't mean that it needs to be goals even that involve the scale, but it needs to be clear goals that you know how to keep working towards them. So whether that's trying something new physically, working on a new project professionally, finding ways to keep that idea of working on goals and planning and all of those tools that helped you get there in place, because they're going to reinforce those habits and patterns that you had already developed. And you're going to need them. You're going to need that because when you're out there in that, that nothingness space, it's something I don't think a lot of people talk about. Like when you're losing weight, you get the reinforcement of the scale. You get the reinforcement of the Instagram community. When you post before and after pictures and weekly updates and how you're doing and all of that. And then you get to the place where those changes aren't happening anymore. Yeah. And all of a sudden that positive reinforcement and all of that goes away. And it's a scary place to be because you then have to find those things for yourself. You, you realize how much you relied on those tools. So you have to say, okay, so what is it that's keeping me going? You know, what is it about this life that was important to me and why I got here and what do I, what I really wanted it to look like? And I had all these, like, that's the other thing. <laughs> I think when we, when you talk to people at the beginning of a weight loss journey, you ask them, you know, what does life look like when you have success? You know, what is, when you hit your goals, what does that life look like? What are the things you want to do? I think a lot of us forget all of those things that were on those lists. Like we get to that place and life evolves and adapts with you as you move along. So you might forget there were 10 things that you wanted to do when you got to maintenance. Yeah. Keep that list. Don't lose it. You know, keep those things handy. So when it's time to start planning for, you know, getting into maintenance, you have a clear picture of what you want your life to look like and what the goals are that you need to keep working on. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It's like nobody says, you know, I want to lose 100 pounds and this is how I'm going to maintain it afterwards. And a lot of people, I don't even think like, say I'm going to lose a hundred pounds and this is what I want to accomplish after it. It's just a thought like right in the moment, like I need to get this weight off and there's not much uh, thought or planning after mm -hmm. that. And so one thing that I do 
uh, try to encourage people to do is find something that they really enjoy, like a hobby that is physically active in nature, Mm -hmm. just because like, I know for me, like, I don't want to gain weight right now because, you know, I want to lift and I want to do bodybuilding type stuff and I want to do CrossFit and I want to, uh, do jujitsu and all this kind of things and not saying you have to have a bunch of hobbies like that, but let's just say like your hobby becomes hiking, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to want to put on a bunch of weight mm-hmm. in, cause that's going to limit your ability to do like your new hobby, the thing you exactly. enjoy, you know? So that's just one segment of it, but also like you're saying, like making that, that mindset shift of, you know, improving yourself and in your mental, uh, on the mental side of things. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think that's the thing is like, when people ask me, like, what's the importance of physical activity when you're losing weight? Um, I say that it, it's not, it's not necessary, but it's urgent. And what I mean there is you can lose weight without ever changing your physical activity. Of course you can. Yeah, absolutely. But if you do, one, you're going to experience the health benefits of being physically active, cardiovascular, all of those things, strength, all of that. But I think that when you start to build those physical habits, it reinforces your habits with food even more. Because like you said, if you get into this place of I'm walking three miles a day or two miles a day or half a mile a day, whatever it is, if you start to put weight on and that gets harder, it's less enjoyable. So then that habit, that piece that's been important to you, that performance, you know, Going to the gym, you know, I can, and I can relate to this, like getting up early to go to the gym the night after you ate crap food is very different than getting up to go to the gym early in the morning, the night after you ate food, that's in line with what your physical goals are, you know, like wake, waking up bloated and constipated the next morning does not make for fun when you're going and you know, you're (laughs) going to the gym to do squats. Like there's, there's these pieces that, that reinforces each other. And in so many ways. I, I think we just don't think about that. Like we, we, we think about doing the physical activity, changing the way we eat until we get to this finish line. And the reality is the finish line doesn't exist. There is the, if you think there's a finish line for you, then you're already failing. Like you need to get to this place of thinking about what do you need to do to get to this place? And then what do you need to do to stay there? Because it is something like we don't earn maintenance by losing weight. We earn maintenance by being active and creating a constructive plan for ourselves that's going to keep us in maintenance. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, Gourmet, I know that we've been going at this for almost an hour, but mm-hmm. I do want to talk to you about the Fat Guy Forum, your mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, so how did you get started in that? How did you just start sharing these stories and the stories sure. of, of other guys who have done similar things? So... um. I had the idea for the Fat Guy Forum. Um, actually, it's, it launched in July of 2019. And I think I registered the domain and had a logo designed in 2018, a year before, almost exactly a year before. Um, so I paid for podcast hosting service for over a year before I actually even launched an episode. Um, and a lot of that had to do with <laughs> me not liking my own voice and liking the sound of my own voice and all of that. But the idea of the podcast for me was I looked at, you know, I, I listening to podcasts became something that was really important to me on my weight loss journey. You know, I didn't, I don't really listen to music at the gym. I don't listen to music when I'm walking. I listen to people talking. I actually had a, a, a discussion with my sister the other day. She's like, what music do you like? And I'm like, I honestly don't even, I don't know. I'm music. You know, I like turning the radio on. Like I don't really have like playlists or anything like that for me. Um, 
So podcasts became this important thing to me. And then I started to realize that there were a lot of podcasts focusing on health and fitness issues for women. There were a lot of podcasts out there that featured individuals sharing stories that they were primarily performance athletes who might've had a bad off season. So they gained 30 pounds and then they were coming back to talk about how now they're in ripped shape and everything's really great and how they struggled with that 30 pounds so hard. And, you know, I sat there looking at my own story and I'm like, if I had only had 30 pounds to struggle with, I don't know if I'd take time to do a podcast. I would have been <laughs> much more excited doing other things. But I started to realize that there wasn't a space for telling the stories of the average guy that deals with weight problems, you know, that is dealing with being a fat guy. That was my identity for years, you know, identified as the funny fat guy. Like that was, that's such a big part of kind of our, our pop culture, all of those things. So the idea came to me that I wanted to have this place where I was exclusively sharing the stories of men that identify as fat guys and may have lost the weight, may just be starting their journeys. And that was one of the hard things. Like when I first started trying to get guests, it was people were always like, well, I haven't really lost that much weight yet. So I don't think I'm good for your show. And I'm like, that's not the purpose of the show. The yeah. purpose of the show is to share your story as an individual, wherever you are in that journey. Like I even initially imagined it, there would be guys coming on the show that had no interest in losing weight and just wanted to talk about what their lives were like and what their challenges were. But it, it very much evolved to be this place where um, I could showcase and, and put the spotlight on these amazing men that, like I said, have lost 300 pounds and changed their life, have lost 50 pounds and changed their life, have lost two pounds and just got started and feel like they're going off the rails and are concerned and scared, but hopeful. And the idea was to create these stories that resonate with people listening. And the, the funny thing that happened is, so the podcast is exclusively male guests. Um, I have no issues. I'm not anti-woman, any of those things. I sometimes get accused of that by people, but I wanted to, you know, the show is called the Fat Guy Forum. Uh, it, the funny thing is I get women asking me all the time if I'm ever gonna do the Fat Girl Forum special episodes. And I'm like, if I did a podcast as a man called the Fat Girl Forum, <laughs> I would get destroyed. I would get destroyed on social media. Canceled. So, <laughs> um, although I will say, I am, I, I am interested someday doing a special series where I talk to women in the lives of the men that are on my show. Like, I would love to talk to the wife of a husband, you know, that came on my show and talked about what his life at 600 pounds was like. Because yeah. I bet her perspective on his life at 600 pounds is very different. So yeah. I, I think it would be Say kind so. of amazing to dive into some of that. But for right now, um, the show just evolved from there and has become this place where, you know, I every week I bring the story of a new, a new guy that has faced different challenges. You know, some of them, you know, I, I've had some guys come on that have talked exclusively about addiction and some guys that have come on and, and talked about, I've recently had a guest, my very first guest on who eats a plant-based diet. And people were worried that the keto guy was having a vegan on his show and it was going to turn into a brawl. And we had a great discussion. I've had guys on that have had weight loss surgery and had amazing success. I've had guys come on it who have had weight loss surgery and have completely failed at succeeding because of what they went through with it. And now I've had to try to find new tools and struggles. And, you know, I've had, it's been one of those things that evolved exactly into what I wanted it to be when I, when I initially imagined it, I wanted it to be a place to be about sharing stories. And it happens now, like I'll reach out to guys and say, you know, I'd love for you to come on my show. I see some of what you've done. I think it would be great. And when they reply to me, you know, I'll hear a lot. 
I don't feel like my story is important enough to tell. I don't feel like my story is unique enough to tell. And I, I just try to stress that every individual has a unique, important story to tell because someone is going to resonate with it. Someone is going to write to me after an episode and say, I didn't know anyone else dealt with that problem until your guest shared it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember I did an episode called My 540 Pound Life, where I talked about what life was like for me at my heaviest. And I got kind of, no pun intended, down and dirty about hygiene and bathroom use. And I talked about having to bring, uh, carry wooden spoons with me when I would go out in public so that I could clean myself after going to the bathroom. And I probably got two to three dozen responses after that episode dropped of people saying, I do the same thing and I didn't know anyone else did. So it's a platform for people to hear that they're not alone and that other people are going through similar challenges. And so then they can also see that some of those people are going through similar challenges and having success and moving themselves forward and getting a little bit of that hope that they might be missing. That's a super powerful thing that you're able to, to share those stories and, and, and reach people like that. So with all the, with all these awesome guys that you've been able to interview, have you seen kind of like an overarching theme in this, or is there anything that you've really, that's really stood out to you that you've taken away from your show and like a lot of the episodes that you've done? Um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that the guys that are most successful are the ones that don't worry as much about their success. They're the ones that worry about daily consistency, daily routine, the ones that know that they're going to get up and feel like crap some days, but they're going to do it anyway. You know, the ones that are willing yeah. to fight through the, the bad days and to even work out on the good days where they'd rather be doing other things. You know, it's the people that have made commitment to themselves and they don't live a life looking, chasing sources of motivation. They, they chase honoring commitment and consistency for themselves. Awesome, man. Well, Tell the listeners where they can find you on social media, your coaching, podcast, the whole sure. the whole bit. So if you're interested in the Fat Guy Forum that we just talked about, that is available on iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, all of those platforms. Um, it's called the Fat Guy Forum. And you could, there's a caricature of me flexing um, as the icon. So look for the bald guy with glasses flexing with his stomach laying over the logo. Um, <laughs> I had someone do that for on Fiverr for me years ago, and I'm totally in love with it. I just had keychains made. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can find me on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. If you're interested in talking about coaching, you can go to the ketoroad.com slash coach dash Mike. Also, if you're interested in trying keto on your own, um, my coaching partner, Jonathan Shane, and I just released a PDF that's about building your own keto road. And it includes some tools to help you explore the ketogenic diet for yourself. You can see more about that on the ketoroad.com. It's kind of where everything lives. And that's also where the blog I discussed is as well. Every other week I drop a new blog. Awesome, man. Make sure, uh, make sure you guys go check Gourmet out. Gourmet, thank you again uh, for doing this podcast times two. I really appreciate you, brother. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on again. boom that is it that is the end of the hungry for success podcast for this week we'll be back next week with a new episode if you guys enjoy the show uh please share it with your friends family anybody anything helps so all right guys stay hungry we'll see you next week